Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Uh, today we are jumping right back into our series on the life of Joseph. Two weeks ago we launched it with this message called Here Comes the Dreamer. If you remember, that's a, a, a line that's in that chapter in Genesis, chapter 38. Here comes a dreamer. This will be kind of the overarching theme of the next several weeks as we go through the life of Joseph. Uh, and that, uh, here comes a dreamer, that is what Joseph's brothers sarcastically said about him as he approached, right? Uh, Jacob, uh, their father, sent Joseph out to see his brothers check on him, and the brothers were upset at him, uh, and they had hatched their plan to sell this brother of theirs, Joseph, into slavery, and also tell their father, Jacob, that Joseph had been killed. And they were upset about Joseph because of a dream he had, and Joseph had been foolish enough for some reason to share this dream with his brothers. And this dream, it seemed to indicate that one day Joseph would somehow be in authority over his older brothers. However, what the brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. That's what we're going to discover as we go through this. As we go through the story, we'll see because Joseph was a dreamer, he would save his family as well as the nation of Israel. I just want to set this up for you. We noted three things that are important about a dreamer a couple weeks back. Those three things were, one, a dreamer rejects bitterness. Have a dream in our heart that God has put there. It's hard to accomplish it if we we're harboring bitterness. Another thing uh, we talked about is how a dreamer can change their family. Also, a dreamer can bring restoration if the dream is from God. Those are the things we talked about, kind of launched it off. I encourage you to go listen to it from a few weeks ago. Uh, I want to note for you, I forgot to bring the book in here to show you. I'll bring it uh, next time. But uh, some of the inspiration for this uh, series of messages was came out of this book on the life of Joseph by this guy named Charles Swindoll. And I read it uh, a little while back. I took notes as I studied it. And as I did so, I kindly formulated this uh, series of messages on Joseph's life. And I don't quote from it exactly. And if I do, I'll let you know. But I want to give credit where credit's, credit is due um, uh, when I study and things like that. Um, this morning, we're moving into talking about the right thing. The right thing. You know, when I think about choosing the right thing, I don't know, this is just where my, my mind goes. I think about fast food drive throughs I just think about fast food drive throughs a lot, actually. But <laughs> you know, there's two types of people when it comes to fast food drive throughs And there's really only two types. If you are within the sound of my voice, you are one type or the other. I'm not saying one or the other is better. I don't want to get myself in trouble today. Just there's only two ways to think about it. Option one is when you go through the drive through you are an immediate decider. Before you go through the thing, you're the one when you pull up to that speaker and sometimes you got to hunt for it, right? You come up and there's a speaker and the mic and it, and it sounds like this because they haven't serviced it in 30 years or whatever, right? But you pull up and you know exactly what you're getting. Maybe you have been to the restaurant enough times that you already know. Maybe you stopped in the parking lot and you examined the specials in the window. Whatever it is, when it's your turn, you pull up and you know what you're getting. This is where I tend to fall. Maybe I've just eaten fast food too much in my life. So I've tried everything there is at every single place, everything I'm interested in. So therefore, I know exactly what I'll get. We could have a talk afterwards about the top five fast food restaurants, and I can tell you what I get at every one of them. No questions asked, no problem. Option two is the opposite of an immediate decider. <laughs> this person 
no matter what, there is a 0% chance that they're going to be decided when they pull up. Even if they've been to the restaurant 100 times, they still want to make sure there's nothing that they're missing. They might leave the person hanging while they read the menu, right? They pull up and they just kind of help you and there's just silence while they read the menu. They might ask a thousand questions, but you can't really understand them because of the speaker microphone situation. But there is no way that they have decided. This you might have guessed. This is the side that my wife falls on. She's not in here today, so I can talk about it. Man, the first time uh, when we were together, I don't remember if we were married or not. I'm sure it was before. The first time we went through a drive through together, I will never forget. Like We pulled up. I ordered what I wanted, and it was just silence while she just read the entire menu. And it was like Wendy's or McDonald's or something. Somewhere we had been. Or I figured she had been, right? So I'm thinking, okay, next time it'll be fine. Because she's been to the restaurant before. We go there next time, same deal. <laughs> Reading the menu. Just wants to get it right. Wants to make sure she gets the best deal. Make sure she gets the things she likes. Make sure they didn't add anything to the menu while she didn't notice. Hey, I can't blame her, right? She just wants to make sure that she gets the order just right. I just think about food a lot, so it's easy for me to have my, my orders just right. <laughs> So many times, so many circumstances, all we really want to do in life as we go through our everyday is we want to figure out what the right thing to do is. Figure out what the right thing to do with our spouses, with our kids, and with our work, and with our church. Even down to the very smallest decisions, we just want to figure out what the right thing is. And there, of course, there's much bigger decisions than the drive-through that we all face. But what if I told you there's one decision we can make that informs all the others? You make this one decision, makes all the others a lot easier. And Joseph, as we're about to read, uh, he is thrown into the cistern by his brothers. Cisterns is a pit that holds water, and it's shaped like a bottle, and the skinny parts are the top, so they can't get out. After he's thrown into the cistern by his brothers, Joseph faces a decision about how he is going to live for the rest of his life. And as far as his family, his brothers and his father and his mother, uh, as far as his family, the nation of Israel concerned, Joseph is dead. Joseph, though, throughout this story, especially here in Genesis 39, he teaches us a valuable lesson about the right thing. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them, Joseph chapter 39, or Genesis chapter 39. We're going to be covering the whole chapter today, but to start it off, let's read together Genesis 39, uh, verses 1 through 6. Get my Bible in the right spot here. I'm reading to you at the NIV today. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar. An Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Crazy story. Number one, to do what is right, God must be with us. To do what is right, God must be with us. Let's just get this out of the way right now. If you're here at church, 
uh, let's just get this out of the way. As a believer in your daily life, even if you are not a believer, uh, we will not be able to do what is right to find the right thing without God being with us. If God's not with you, you're going to struggle. There's good news, too, and we'll get to that part. You know, there's a few things in life that are inevitable, right? One of the things in life that's inevitable is that things will change, right? When you think you got it figured out, it's going to change. Great example, you know, we have this, uh, I told you about our dog Rudy before, right? Uh, This dog Rudy is a Border Collie Lab mix. Uh, He, unfortunately, is one of the smartest dogs you'll ever run into, this is the dog who opens round doorknobs with his teeth. He opens drawers, removes bags of chips, opens the bag, eats the chips. I mean, it can be kind of annoying sometimes. Uh, Rudy likes everything to be just so. He likes to, everyone to be in their spot, his bed to be in the same spot. But we got a new dog on Friday. Things change for Rudy, and he's not very happy about it. <laughs> One of the things that happens in his life is things change. Death, taxes, the sun rising and setting. And no matter how tightly we hold on, things are going to change. This is what's happened to Joseph in the wilderness. He'd gone out to see his brothers, and it had not turned out how he thought. He had no power over who bought him. He had no power over where he ended up. We don't know how much time passed between when he was thrown into the pit and when he was sold to Potiphar. It says in there, as we read, that Potiphar was captain of the guard. Most people think that he was in charge of the bodyguards for the royal palace, for Pharaoh himself. For certain, this guy, Potiphar, he was powerful. He was someone, Potiphar, who had the freedom to decide between life or death in many cases. And Joseph, in this situation where he's found himself, he faces a pretty tall task. Now, for me, I struggle to get things moving smoothly when I, like, move across town. I put my stuff in boxes and I move across town. We did this last summer. I'm still looking for stuff. But Joseph, man, he's had a lot of time to himself during which it would have been really easy to stew about what happened to him. Oh, man, my brothers. What are all my dad things? He would have had to adjust to an unfamiliar culture. He would have had to... Uh, suddenly be attempting to serve the one true God in a land full of false gods. So our natural inclination, I don't know about yours, my natural inclination is to start looking for the plan that he followed because he gets sold into slavery and then he goes to Potiphar's house and suddenly he's really powerful. I want to know, what did he do? What business plan did he put into place to make him get to the top of the house? What key person did he make friends with? Who did he help and then gain a favor that could help him later? Well, to be clear, these are all things that Joseph uh, may have done in some way. We'll see as we go through the story. Joseph's a really intelligent, really wise person. But notice, as we read that, that's not what Genesis 39 says at all. And you will notice uh, in your Bible in this chapter the capitalized word Lord over and over again. L-O-R-D, but capitalized. And it's translated Yahweh, and it means that it's referring to God himself. The very presence of God was there. You see it only eight times in this whole narrative about Joseph. Once at the end of chapter 49, seven times in this chapter, and four times a version of this sentence in these first several verses. It says, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord was with Joseph. See, what's being stated here in chapter 39, it's not a promise. It's a, it's a statement of fact. 
It's not something that will happen. It has happened. The Lord is with Joseph. It's not saying God is promising to help. It's saying that Joseph rises to the top of Potiphar's house for one reason and for one reason only. And that's simply because God is with him. Maybe the reason we don't see the details is because it would have caused us to focus on the wrong thing and and miss what's important, which is the fact that God was with them. What about you? I often find this tension in life where I really want to do what's right, honor God in everything I do. And of course, yes, of course, I want to have God with me, but I also want to provide for my family. It's really nice if someone notices it when I do something well. It's really nice if there's some kind of reward for living the way that I know is right. And that's the beauty of what verse 3 in your Bible says there. Joseph's master saw that the Lord was with him. Because you know when the living God is with us, it's really obvious to those living around us. Now Joseph, he may have been in Potiphar's house, but he was under the blessing of God himself. Now, Potiphar, of course, he did not get to where he is in his life by being an unintelligent person. He recognizes that something good is happening to his house. Hey, this guy Joseph came, and now things are better in my house. He recognizes something is good. And even though he he does not know the God of Israel, he knows that it's because of the God of Israel that all of this is happening. It goes on to tell us in verse 5 just how blessed Potiphar's house was because of Joseph. And the captain of the guard for Egyptian royalty goes so far as to turn everything over to Joseph except for what he eats. Many, many people think that was just because different traditions and Joseph simply would not have known how to protect the food or prepare the food. And Joseph, he has gone from this cistern that he could not have escaped alone to this position of high authority in the most powerful nation on earth. And I love the fact that Joseph, he did not need to do anything to let Potiphar know. Potiphar, he could see for himself what was happening. Man, what a lesson that is for me. What a lesson that is for us. That is that God can and will bring us recognition if we indeed need to have it. People need to see uh, something that we're doing. God will bring us a recognition. I can tell you from experience that allowing God to bring it instead of pursuing it is much more fulfilling. Now, when we pursue it and we go after it and you find it, you find it, it's not what you thought it was. It's much more fulfilling to let God bring it and it's also much less exhausting. But the repetition of that phrase in there, the Lord was with him, helps us know there was one reason and there was only one reason. So, what it tells us is that for us to do what's right, to, to make the decision that's the best, when on the surface it seems like there really is no good choice, right, to walk away from one job opportunity into another one. doesn't seem that much better, but something inside you tells, it, tells you it's better. To have distance in some relationships and closeness in other relationships. Those are just a couple examples. To do those things, we must invite the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, to be with us. And when we do so, it enables God to arrange the pieces and the parts in front of us, however it is that he sees best. To do what's right, we need to have the Lord with us. Next we see, uh, number two, doing the right thing involves direct action. If you have your Bibles out, uh, 
the second half of verse 6, if you're reading the NIV uh, through verse 10, that's where we're at right now. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And this guy, Joseph, he's seen the lowest of lows and he's seen the highest of highs. And Joseph now sees an occurrence in his life that is pretty common to our life. You see, Joseph is finding that great success comes with great trust. And greater trust often leads to greater temptation. Verse 6 that we just read, it says in there that Joseph was well-built and handsome. In that particular language, it's only used four times in the entire Old Testament. One was here with Joseph, once to describe King Saul, wants to describe David, and wants to describe David's favorite son, Absalom. So it's really easy to see, right? We're humans. We understand the deal. It's easy to see how the wife whose husband is off and off serving Pharaoh would seem uh, to think that she has a willing replacement in Joseph. My husband is off all the time, and I have this young, good-looking guy in my house all the time. And remember what we read a few moments ago, right? Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything in his house. And if he trusted Joseph with everything in his house, that means there was room for Joseph to shift the discussion, shift the narrative however he saw fit. Joseph had enough power that he could have done whatever he wanted in that house and he could have manipulated the optics so no one could accuse him, no one would understand what was going on. He could make it look however he wanted to. And Joseph, he comes face to face with this reality that temptation that comes with success can be more dangerous than temptation that comes in adversity. When we're successful, temptation comes. It is dangerous. The reason is that temptation that comes with success, it's often more subtle. A lot of times when we're in a situation like Joseph was in the cistern, right? He's been thrown in that thing. He has no way to get out. Only has a few days uh, till he dies. Fighting for our lives at the bottom of an unescapable pit like Joseph was. When you're in a situation like that and you're fighting for your life, all your senses are firing. When you're just trying to survive, man, you see, you notice everything. You see every dangerous thing from a mile off. We're talking to God often, knowing that we need his help to just make it through the next day. Uh, man, we've been in, in seasons like that in our family. And uh, man, talk to the Lord a lot. But when our heart is aligned with God's heart and the heat of the battle, we see those challenges from so far away. But when success comes, it's easy for our guard to be down. When our guard's down, it's easy to let a series of small compromises become a big mistake. And when it comes to temptation specifically, what we see here is that we must fight the urge to become passive and instead take action. When it comes to temptation, we cannot become passive. We must take action. Uh, look really closely at verse, verses 8 through 10 there again. But he refused with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. 
My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. There's one word at the beginning of verse 8 and the end of verse 10 that speaks volumes. For when Potiphar's wife came for him day after day, what does it say there? Joseph refused. Now, Joseph, he's showing us something concrete here when it comes to dealing with temptation. Because everybody in this room, everyone indeed that will ever walk planet Earth, everyone's going to be tempted. We must remember, friends, it's not a sin to be tempted. Everyone's going to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted by Satan while he was on Earth. Right? But the sin comes when we give in to temptation. Sin comes when we take the action. And for us, the difficulty comes because uh, we attempt to reason with temptation instead of simply refusing. It says right there in verse 8 and verse 10, Joseph refused. And we see Joseph set the example by what the end of verse 10 tells us. Though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. See, Joseph, he was, of course, a human, a red-blooded male. Potiphar's wife, surely beautiful, also lonely. And what Joseph could have done if he was going to reason within this temptation, uh, he could have said, well, you know what? She's just going through a really hard time right now. I just want to be her friend because she's just, she's really struggling. Her husband keeps going out to protect Pharaoh all the time. And she's just, she's lonely. I just, she needs a friend. She, you know what? She just needs some way to talk to you. So I'm going to do the stuff in the house. And then I'm just, we're going to go together, like to a room. We're just going to talk. She just, she needs a friend right now. What I just described to you, that's what reasoning with temptation looks like. Probably sounds familiar to you because you've tried it in your own life just like I have. But doing the right thing, friends, it requires action. Joseph's action each day, it looked like exactly what verse 10 said, refusing to be in the same room as her. He went into the house He had all the trust in the world and he would not even go into the same room as her because he didn't want to reason with the temptation. He understood his limitations probably. And we must see that Joseph's actions, they came with a why. With any decision that we make that's of any consequence, we have to have a reason in our heart that we're making it. If we don't have a reason in our heart we're making it, we'll never actually believe it. Right, we see the why behind Joseph's actions Uh, It had everything to do with his loyalty to God. His loyalty to God and also the authority that God, that his God had placed him under, even though that man didn't know God. Joseph, he had already decided before he walks into, into Potiphar's house every day, before he walks out of his room, I'm devoted enough to who God has called me to be that no matter how tempting this feels, I will not go there. Betraying my master is the same as betraying my God and I won't do it. We have to have a why deep in our hearts, friends, or it gets real hard. So how does it look for us here in 2023, where temptation uh, is not any more sinful? I got news for you. Uh, sin has always been sin. What it is, is for sure, is more available. Not any more sinful, but it is easier to find. First thing we must do, friends, is we must accept the grace of Jesus. And the fact that there's forgiveness for the places... Uh, We've gone, things we've done that we aren't proud of. We must accept that grace. 
Of course, every single one of us has sinned, but also every single one of us is under the shed blood of Jesus when we ask for his forgiveness. If you're going to take action, that's the first thing you must do is you must understand there's grace. We also must ask for God's help because it's nearly impossible to resist temptation on your own. You might make it a day or two. You're not going to make it for long. And if you've been struggling, if you're in this place, you're hearing this online, if you've been struggling, falling in the same way over and over again, please know the rescue is not in any word that I say. Please know that there's rescue in Jesus. And that's where the rescue is. But coupled with that forgiveness, with that rescue comes direct action. Just as Joseph's did, we, uh, we must do our best to refuse to participate. Uh, I'll give you a concrete example from my life. A lot of concrete examples probably, but uh, one that's somewhat recent. Uh, uh, there was this TV show on a little while back called The Man in the High Castle. Some of you might think it's boring. Uh, what The Man in the High Castle was, the premise was, it's alternate history, right? And the Man in the High Castle, uh, this show, it's what if the United States lost World War II? And so the United States is like split up into two halves, it's, you know, kind of nerdy and fascinating. and it's, There's lots of, like, shooting and stuff like that. That doesn't bother me at all. never has. Um, but I still am somewhat careful about it. And uh, this show, you know, TV shows can be hard to find to watch, right? My wife and I, we watched it for a few seasons. It got too boring, too much shooting for her, so I'd continue to watch it when she was working. And I was watching this show, Man in the High Castle, and uh, I had done the thing that you do when you go on a trip. I flew to Memphis to, uh, it's a cool experience. I got to help, um, mix a live stream for this Christian music award show. Uh, so I flew to Memphis and I downloaded a bunch of episodes of Man in the High Castle on my phone or my iPad or something. And uh, to this point, it had been pretty clean as far as like uh, sexual stuff, nudity, that kind of thing. So I was watching this show and I downloaded a bunch of episodes and get back on the plane to fly back home, layovers and all that stuff. And man, there was an episode that just had a whole bunch of stuff in it that I did not know was there. I'd stopped researching it, which I always do because there just hadn't been anything like it in the show. And I'm sitting there on the plane and the scene comes on and I'm like, you know, hitting stop, man, I hope no one saw that, right? And I have a choice to make in that moment. I, I can decide to reason with the temptation and I can, and I've missed it lots of times in my life, but I can decide to reason with the temptation and say, that's probably gonna be the only scene. Like, it hasn't been in there so far. You know, there's like four more seasons. There's probably nothing else in there. Or I can do what Joseph did, right? And I can say, I refuse to be a part of this. There's other TV shows in the world. I really wanted to see what happened. I went and read the book. The book wasn't that good, actually. <laughs> Didn't tell you what happens. They'd taken a lot of liberty with the TV show. Never finished it. Like I said, I haven't always got it right. But in that situation, um, I made the choice to refuse instead of reason. At some point, no matter the type of sin, friends, all of us, we have to stop reasoning why it's okay to tiptoe up to the line. And we have to instead refuse each and every day. I'm telling you, it's in the society we live in, you gotta do it every day. For some of you, and these are just examples, I have no previous knowledge, right? For some of you, refusing instead of reasoning, it might look like a, a relationship that you just simply stop being a part of. Because even if you aren't technically sinning, it could change really quickly. 
For you, it could look like a route that you stop taking on your way home from work or your way from taking the kids to school because it takes you by a store or a place that reminds you of a substance that nearly destroyed your life or will destroy your life if you go back to it. Now, there's things in the store maybe that aren't sinful, but you can also get those somewhere else, just like there's other TV shows. For you, it may be real simple. It may be a device that you simply refuse to be alone with. Yeah, you get a lot of work done. You can talk to your friends on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but it may be a device you just say, you know what? I'm not reasoning with it anymore. Because you see friends doing the right thing. It involves direct action. Finally, today, we must understand, number three, the right thing doesn't always bring immediate results. This is the crazy part of the story. Uh, Verse 11 through 20 says this. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Then you ever work really hard to do something right? Get out of a relationship, change your route, leave the device at home. You really agonize over a tough decision, but, and you're just like, this is the thing I need to do. This is going to help me in my life. You're 100% certain you've made the right choice. Maybe it's something smaller than that. You agonize over it, but you just have the choice completely blow up in your face. Well, that's what's happened to Joseph here, right? Joseph, he's been on quite the journey. Imagine what he's thinking. He's worked pretty hard, not only to have his needs met, but he has this authority that he's never dreamed of. Joseph, he'd been down in the bottom of the pit in the desert, and now he was in Potiphar's house. And no matter the temptation in the moment, Joseph, he did the thing. His devotion to God helped him to make decisions that were honoring to God. He did all of that stuff right, but somehow, some way, he still ends up in jail. Now, it's maybe a notch above the cistern because he'll probably at least have food and water, but it's a far cry from where he was. And if you just think about it in an earthly way, all he would have had to do was give in to Potiphar's wife, and he'd still be comfortable in the house. But to Joseph, faithfulness to God mattered more than satisfying his desire. If it was the right thing, he was going to do it, even if he ended up back in the dungeon. The only problem was that it didn't put him where he had hoped because what's right doesn't always bring the immediate results that we think it will. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And for Joseph, man, this must have all seemed really awfully familiar, right? Uh, Before his brothers had thrown him in the pit, they'd taken his tunic, his coat of many colors. They'd taken it off of him so they could convince their father that Joseph was dead. And here, what does Potiphar's wife do? She takes his coat in order to convince her husband that his intentions were something they weren't. In both cases, Joseph, without his coat 
and in captivity through no fault of his own. But maybe the fact that God has so plainly been with Joseph has spoken to Potiphar. Because as we mentioned at the very beginning, right, Potiphar, he held the power to put someone to death if he saw fit. Surely the attempted rape of his wife by someone who'd been entrusted with so much would qualify for the death penalty in those ancient times, absolutely. But Potiphar, uh, instead, he sends Joseph to prison instead of having him put to death. Maybe Potiphar, he saw something in Joseph, or maybe he just doesn't believe his wife. Either way, he spares Joseph's life. But Joseph, he had not forgotten that phrase that we see seven times in Genesis 39. The Lord was with him. Saw a quote this week from this pastor and author named Tim Keller. He actually passed away this week. Uh, Illustrates where Joseph's heart was in the moment. Uh, Tim Keller says, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Would have been unbearable going right back to the pit if he wasn't certain that God was with him. Now I'm convinced that's why these verse, next verses read how they do. Read with me the final verses, Genesis 39, 20 through 23. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Man, what power in that. The Lord, when he's with us, he gives us success in the best possible situation and the worst possible situation. You see, friends, doing the right thing, it's not dependent upon the location. Doing the right thing Uh, It's not dependent upon our financial security. Doing the right thing, it's not even dependent on being with your family, having your family relationships be awesome. Doing the right thing, it is dependent upon whether the Lord is with us. And when the Lord is with us, all those things that we just mentioned, they will often come around. Even if we somehow ended up back in the valley instead of the mountaintop that we anticipated on going to right away, but we can rest in what God has given us uh, right in this very moment. And sometimes, man, I have found in my uh, short 43 years, uh, sometimes the hope of our heart, it takes some time to come around. I put something inside of you and you know what's going to happen and it takes 10 years instead of two. What we're going to find next week is that even though he had lost his position in, in Pharaoh, or Potiphar's house, the prison that he went to would be the path to Pharaoh's palace. The dreamer, Joseph, he would continue walking in this purpose that God had for him, even in the prison. And that purpose that God had for Joseph was no less than the redemption of his family, the rescue of the nation of Israel. Bow your heads and close your eyes, friends. Today, uh, we need to know that doing doing what's right, it's not simply just being nice to the checker. Well, that's a good thing to do. It's not just being nice to the checker at the store, but doing what's right with your life. That depends entirely on surrendering our life to God. Joseph, somehow, some way, and all he went through, he had learned how to and he had done this. And that same God that Joseph called on is here to meet you today. This is the decision I was talking about at the beginning. 
the one that informs all the others, the one that if you make the decision to give your life over to God, to accept Jesus into your heart, it's the one that helps you do what's right. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. I want to give you a chance in this moment. If you're here today and uh, you're far from God, you've either never known him before, never had Christ in your heart, or maybe, maybe you've known Jesus and, and you know in this day you're far from him. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand so we can know to pray with you this morning to agree with you in prayer. Thank you for having sensitive hearts, trusting you. Know the Lord this morning. Here's the thing, friends. Even if we know the Lord, doing what's right requires action on our part. And I believe firmly that while we have been talking today, that God has been speaking to some of you about action you should take when it comes to temptation in your life. So once again, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. I'm the only one looking around. If that's you today and God has been speaking about, to you about an action you should take to stop reasoning and instead refuse, would you just raise your hand so I can pray over you this morning? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. We pray over you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these people that have raised their hands. And Lord, thank you for those um, who maybe know they should have, uh, but something kept them from doing it. Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, the strength to begin relying on you instead of anything else. Lord, I pray that you would put in their heart direct action that they can take. Action they can take that will help them to refuse temptation and set a reason with it. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness, that there is forgiveness. As many times as we sin, there is forgiveness for all those times. Would you let your, your shed blood cleanse hearts this morning? Uh, would you let grace replace guilt? Finally, friends, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. There was a plan and a purpose for Joseph's life. But finding the plan, the, the purpose, it just comes simply from God being with us. And today, uh, as we close in prayer here in a moment, you may just need to ask God to be with you. You might just need to ask God to be with you and begin walking in that purpose that he has for you, no matter where it takes you. Now, be warned, if you walk in the purpose that God has for you, it might take you uh, to a place you'd rather not go first. But when God is with us, he'll take care of us. And God will give you favor. Lord Jesus, thank you for your people this morning. Thank you that uh, you know all things, you do all things well. Thank you that you know the very depths of my heart, the thoughts I, I would never dare speak. And Lord, uh, you know the very depths of every heart in this room, every heart listening. You're with us in our darkest hour. And this morning, Lord Jesus, I just pray for each of these people. Lord, I pray that you would place your purpose and your plan inside of their hearts. Lord, you would place uh, just a boldness and a courage uh, inside of us to take the step that you're asking us to take and trust that when we do that, Lord, you're gonna deliver on the plan you have for us. Lord, for those that in this place, they know you, but Lord, they feel like they've been wandering, feel like they've been trying to figure out what to do next. I pray that you would uh, birth a purpose inside of them today. Maybe it starts in the car on the way home or the way they handle their family this afternoon, but would, would you birth a purpose in their heart, Lord Jesus? We trust you with our lives. We thank you for your word, that it's alive and sharp as a two-edged sword. Would you go with us, Jesus, in your grace and your mercy? We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for coming to church today. So grateful to have you here. Uh, thanks for being a part of Engage Boise. Remember, if you're going to be a part of uh, Ready, Set, Move, Vacation Bible School, uh, we have a volunteer meeting uh, here in a few minutes. I imagine that'll be in the kids' church room. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Thank you for coming to church. We'll see you Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, for church on Wednesday night or next week at 9.30 or 10.30. Thanks for coming. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.